Welcome everybody into another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast. I'm Jason Ross and so glad to be here for another week uh, doing this podcast because there is more Hornet football to come last week. As you can tell on the podcast, I was fired up for the Causeway and uh, what a Saturday that was. Man, Sacramento State really took it to UC Davis in the early going and uh, just kind of cruised in for victory and the way the whole day went uh, it was spectacular because early enough in the day, finding out that Montana State had lost to Montana, that opened the door for a possibility of the dream scenario where the Hornets would win the conference outright. And they did it. They did just that. So uh, we'll reflect on that today here on the podcast. We also are going to look ahead to the postseason, which the Hornets found out their fate last Sunday at their banquet and selection show, watching that together. That was fun. We'll talk about that. We also have to honor some more Hornets now that the regular season is done. Accolades come when you when you win. And the Hornets did a lot of that, and they deserve this. And so this is going to be really cool to see um, the net results of all of this. And they get a bye, and they wait and watch to see what uh, what is next for them. We're going to talk with Ted Emmerich, who is going to be on the call of the UC Davis-South uh, Dakota State game this weekend. And then we'll have the call here for ESPN as well, when the Hornets are hosting the winner of that game. So Ted will join us here a little bit later. We'll also recap the thrilling win over the UC Davis Aggies. But let's start with uh, recognition, honors, acknowledgments, because Sacramento State landed a school record 16 players on the all-Big Sky football teams, which is awesome because of the year they had uh, Sacramento State, as you know now, winners of eight in a row, nine and two regular season, First time ever they had a perfect 8-0 and mark in the Big Sky. And if you think about that, the Big Sky is so well decorated with five teams for the first time ever making the postseason. Five. Well, the Hornets won that division. So they think highly of the Big Sky, and the Hornets won it to go 8-0 and outright win and the automatic qualifying bid into the postseason. But let's honor those that are part of this great season. Wide receiver Pierre Williams was on the list of first-team selections he's the only repeat first team selection for the team Pierre was banged up at the end of the year but 43 receptions 664 yards two TDs and has just been a big play weapon a key contributor and hopefully will be healthy for the postseason in two weeks Marshall Martin continues to get better and better he's a first teamer at tight end after being a, a second team honoree in 2019 he caught a team high 47 passes 590 yards six TDs in 10 games, he also rushed for 14 yards in a score and was massive in the causeway last Saturday. Thomas Parker, part of that great offensive line, he was named to the first team, started 10 games at center and anchored the O-line, which allowed just 15 sacks during the season while averaging almost 180 yards per, gra- uh, per game on the ground. He has started 33 games during his career, so congratulations to him. Josiah Erickson was the lone first-team selection for the Hornet defense. As the defensive end, he was a savage there. 53 total tackles, 16.5 for loss, 9 sacks, and has uh, wreaked havoc in a lot of games. Asher O'Hara, a unanimous first-team selection as an all-purpose player. Now, we know he's split times throughout the year now with Jake Dunaway, and he's done a little bit of everything, but continue to be a great runner with the football. 660 rushing yards and 9 rushing touchdowns, also through for uh, 855 yards and six scores. Caught a touchdown pass as well, so it feels fitting that he is an all-purpose player. And then Kyle Sentkowski, more field goals this last weekend, uh, becomes the first-team selection for his record-breaking season, made 19 of 23 field goals, all 38 extra points, 
led the team with 95 points. His 19 field goals broke the single-season record of 14, so he shattered that, uh, made a season-long of 51, and has just been fantastic all season long. Now, the second-teamers for Sacramento State, offensive line love again were Brandon Weldon and Cooper Richardson. Marcus Hawkins, who was just dynamite this year too, had an interception in the causeway, had three for the season, 73 tackles to lead the team, also had five sacks. Marte Mapu, a brilliant season as well. Second team selection, uh, outside linebacker, as uh, he had a career best 59 tackles and 11 starts. And he also had four interceptions this year. Munchie Filer transfer. Well, he uh, started all 11 games. He had a pick six against Cal Poly. Also had four interceptions and was really a good cover corner for Sacramento State. Now, uh, the Hornets added five selections on the third team, including... Jake Dunaway, you know he shared time, as we mentioned earlier, with Asher O'Hara. 2,245 yards, 11 touchdowns, only three interceptions in big sky play. Just really effective all year long and a big part of what the Hornets had done. And uh, the dynamic two-quarterback system really worked because of Jake and Asher O'Hara. Cameron Scadaboo forced into action really in the final five games of the regular season but was a problem for opposing defenses. Averaged 95.6 yards per game. And an incredible 9.19 yards per carry. Just a freshman. He earned third team honors. Also, you had Malik Jeter, a senior, a third team defensive back. He had a good year as well, recording 32 total tackles. He also uh, had an interception this year. And completing the third team, you had uh, Sam Clark, who uh, gets that honor. The punter was sixth in the FCS with an average of 44.4 yards per punt. Pinned opponents inside the 20 um 41 times i mean that's amazing uh to have 20 of his 41 excuse me inside the 20 but still amazing statistic for him and the last one to be named as an honorable mention jet stanley for the first time he was a defensive tackle for the hornets started all 11 games and was part of that good run defense up front for sacramento state and then the very next day the big sky announced its coach of the year and you got it it's troy taylor again two years at sacramento state two Big Sky titles, two Coach of the Year honors. He was also National Coach of the Year in 2019. And this is truly all amazing to me. As a longtime voice with Steve McElroy of Sacramento State Football, we have seen a lot and a lot of great coaches, great people. But this breakthrough the last two seasons has been so much fun to follow, so much fun to watch, and so well-deserved. This team is well-coached. They've recruited well, and they've really got this thing going. And they've deserved the bye. Uh, i got to say, as a... emceeing the banquet on Sunday to honor the seniors, and then we all watched the selection show. We knew the Hornets would have a bye. We didn't know what the layout would be, but um, they got it. They got the four seed. They get a bye, and potentially if they beat the winner of, yes, South Dakota State and UC Davis, man, they could face the Aggies again. Um, If they win that game, they would have another home game. So long way to go before we even get to that. Uh, We'll get into more of the playoff talk and the bracket with Ted Emmerich here in a moment who will be on the call this week for that South Dakota and UC Davis game. But speaking of UC Davis, we got to relive it. I mean, how much fun was that, Hornet fans, to go across the causeway, to meet up with Davis in a high-profile game. Both teams playing well going in at 8-2. and two. But it turned into a one-sided show as the Hornets took care of action, took care of business, and they did it early and often. 
So here we go. It's the 67th Causeway Classic, one like we haven't seen before. The 10th-ranked Aggies at 8-2. The 11th-ranked Hornets at 8-2, winners of seven in a row, and trying to win their eighth game and trying to win the Big Sky Conference. And it's going to be a handoff to Gable on the edge. He turns it to the five. He's near the goal line. He falls in. Touchdown, Sacramento State. The ball came out. The referee has ruled touchdown, and it looks like a score for the Hornets. Again, the right side of the line, in addition to that Fulcher with the lead block out of his running back position, the Hornets' right side of the line is dominating this game. UC Davis will do their version of multiple shifting. Three from the left, one from the right, all come in tight between the hash marks. Hastings looks to his left on the throw. Now flush to his right, will throw on the move, and it's nearly intercepted. It is by Hawkins. A diving catch by the senior. Picks it off down at the 24-yard line. That ball was thrown hard and way in front of Hawkins. He made a headlong dive on the play, and I thought there was no way he could hold onto that ball diving forward with his body parallel to the ground. But Hawkins, like Spider-Man, was able to grab it. Full house backfield, so it's Fulcher and Scadaboo with Jake Dunaway. Dunaway wants to throw, steps up in the pocket, looks downfield, thrown high. Great catch by Martin, splits the defense, needs a block. He is ripped down in Aggie territory all the way down to the 37-yard line. Big play for the Hornets. Dunaway in the offense goes back to work. to give to Scadaboo. Power run up the middle. Breaks a tackle. Takes on another. Takes <laughs> on a third. He spins to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Hornets. Wow. Cameron Scadaboo taking on all defenders. Spinning, turning, and then falling into the end zone for a score. That was a combination of Larry Zonka, Walter Payton, and Earl Campbell. What the heck was that? And the best thing about it, the absolute best thing about the whole play, was the fact that at the very end he realized because he got bounced around so much that somebody might catch him from behind. He secured the ball with two hands, Jason. O'Hara is slippery down here near the goal line. He's going to keep it himself. He's going to go airborne. And did he cross? Yes, he did. Touchdown, Sacramento State. Another rushing touchdown for Asher O'Hara. That is his ninth this season. 23 to nothing Hornets. Guess who made the block right in front of him? Marshall Martin, who's having an unbelievable game at tight end. Well, this has been a brilliant first half by Sacramento State. In motion. It's a pass out to the flat. Could be a lateral. It's a double pass. They're going to air it out into traffic. And it's not intercepted. It's juggled. Is that Ariel Nagata downfield? It is. He is the rush end, and he dropped back into coverage, tipped the ball loose, and intercepted it. What an incredible play. So Crawford had it on the pass and then could advance it upfield. They were looking for Gilliam, and it looked like he out-rebounded, Steve. It's an amazing play. One more look at the big board, and Nagata is the rush end. He he, went back downfield and caught it after the tip. He left the Aggies saying, what's Nagata with you? (laughs) Because when do you expect a defensive end to drop back deep in coverage on a fake play to the left side, a double pass, and Nagata gets back there to pick it off? That is... That is showing how good things are going for the Hornets. So disciplined. The intended receiver was Gilliam, the running back, who went up, and he actually tipped it to Nagata, who caught it falling down. When the Aggies dropped that play, they never predict an interception by the defensive end on the other side of the field. 20 yards downfield. Backfield is empty for Dunaway on second and 10. Three right, two left. Dunaway looks left, now back over the middle. Steps up, fires deep over the middle. It's caught. Juggled and caught in a (laughs) somersault roll by Martin. First down Hornets to the Aggie 35. Was the somersault for effect? What a catch. And the pass did a perfect job of getting over the the underneath men and in front of the safeties. And Martin has just been a 
A phenomenal player today. He goes up high for that, makes his seventh catch of the day. Well, that's going to put him over 100, Steve, and for the second time of his great Horn adds career. That's the bonus cartwheel. Yep, 112 yards. Again, the Hornets normally would have run a play by now for sure, but they are just get standing. Oh, where's the snail chart? It's not out. but It doesn't usually come out in the third quarter. Yeah, they're just doing this um, to milk the clock. 24-0 lead. Hornets are going to try like a record-setting field goal. Let's see, this will be what, 49? Yeah, 49-yarder earlier this year. Sinkowski made, made 51. Made yeah. from 51 from the right hash. Cognetti the snapper. Clark the holder. Sinkowski puts a leg into it. It's got to go. It's got to go. He got it. It's good. Three more on the board. 27-0. Sacramento State as Sinkowski splits the sticks. And the Hornets add three more. I think Danny on that kick was so excited that he might have ripped some muscles in his right arm. <laughs> Danny, are you okay? You were pretty happy about that. I, I think I pulled something. Man, <laughs> take care of yourself down there. That was a boot. He kicked it exactly what he needed to do because the wind picked up right before the snap, and he kicked it a low liner and just kicked it right through. Beautiful. Well, Steve, you had mentioned earlier that UC Davis's kicker was the leader in the league. Well, coming uh -oh. into today... Uh -oh. Sinkowski was one behind. Well, he's had one, and now he's had two. So Kyle Sinkowski, not only the league leader in made field goals, the league leader in points scored, and it's now 27-0 Sacramento State. Hastings is the quarterback here in this formation on fourth down. Hornets bring a linebacker blitz. They're going to go deep down the middle. Fine Fuyaki picks it off for the Hornets all the way inside the 20 at the 14-yard line. It's the third interception of the game thrown by the Aggies. And there you have a 230 pound linebacker drifting back to get the pick. So the Hornets are going jumbo size with their interceptions here. Defensive end with one and then a strong linebacker dropping back deep into coverage to pick the ball. Well and here's the final knee. That is going to do it. The Hornets are going to celebrate. Let's list off the history that is made today. Coach Taylor gets an ice bath first and foremost as he comes to greet and handshake and hug Coach Dan Hawkins. Your Hornets are going to get the win, and for the first time in school history, they won eight in a row. For the first time in school history, they are 8-0 and in Big Sky play, sole possession of conference champions. They will have a bye week next week. They will host a playoff game in two weeks after a convincing win over their rival UC Davis in the 67th Causeway Classic. Final score of 27-7. to Congratulations. Big Sky champion. Yeah, pretty cool. You know, uh, very proud of everybody that's affiliated with our our program. To our great president, Robert Nelson, to the best AD in the country, Mark Orr, players, our support staff, everybody that has a piece of this. It's a, it's an awesome thing. It's for everybody. You guys came out strong, took the opening kickoff, and got the touchdown and just kind of took it from there. Yeah, our guys are very composed. They prepped hard the entire week, and uh, we just stayed with our process. They have a lot of confidence, um, and we executed on really in all three phases. Now we look forward to tomorrow with the uh, playoffs, but I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. Congratulations, Coach. Thank you very much. Singers up. It looks like the game ball. You got the game ball with you, Jay? I do right now, yeah, but I got to go give it to Coach Taylor because you know what I mean? None of this would be possible without him and all these guys. You know, well-deserved win, and, you know, we're excited to keep going. This team has been ex gelling this whole offseason without COVID and then coming back and just working hard together. What you say about your teammates and this team all together for this season? 
I'll just say it's a, a you know a cultivation of all the hard work we put in. You know, we didn't get a 2020 season because of COVID, but you know everybody kept grinding and, and stayed true to the process and believed in one another. And you know we worked out the kinks the first couple weeks, and you know we got it rolling. And ever since then, you know we didn't look back. So just trusting in the coaching that we've gotten the last two years and. Um, just coming out here and trying to execute, and I feel like we executed really well today, and, you know, this is the reward we get, so we're really happy. Congratulations on the victory. Thank you so much. Guys down here with Marcus Hawkins, that defense and this whole team, what a season they've had. You know, it's just, you know, this is just one stop. Still more to go, but got to reflect on how this season has gone in the past year and a half with this team. Man, we're just a resilient group. Uh, great coaches. They put us in great um, spots every week. A great preparation throughout the week. So when it comes to game day, we get that chance to shine. And um, our scout team, scout team plays a big part of it. And they give us a better look or the same look as teams we play. So everything's like up to up to par. This defense has been outstanding these this season as it starts to grow and get things going. You guys just you guys recounted on each other and this and the hell melted together. I think there was a stat we had earlier: twenty three quarters this season with no points given up. Uh-huh. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of part, uh, a large part due to that is that COVID year we didn't play, so we just we kept growing on each other. Um, when, when you have people on your team who got your back like your brothers, and everybody just wants to do it for the love, and everybody loves each other, it makes it so much funner and better. Congratulations on the victory, Big Sky Champions. More to come. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I think you could just hear it in the end in the interviews with Coach Taylor, Danny getting with a couple players there, and Dunaway and Hawkins. Uh, They're excited. They're happy, but they've got more work to do. And that was also the theme at the banquet, just knowing there's more games to go and knowing also coming up short in 2019 in the first playoff game. A couple of differences I would say right now going in as the Hornets for that week had to prepare for two teams because they didn't know who they were going to play and they don't know who they're going to play this time either. One of the benefits though is that they know that UC Davis, they just prepared for them so they can really lock in on South Dakota State. And of course, if the Jackrabbits win, then you uh, forget everything you did about them and move on to, or if the uh, Aggies win, then you forget everything you did about the Jackrabbits and go back into your Davis prep, but you just played them. So there's really good knowledge on Davis. And so they can lock in on one team. That's a benefit there, but it's going to be hard. This bracket is tough. You you look at what quote-unquote experts are picking. Uh, most everybody's picking South Dakota State to beat UC Davis. And most everyone, honestly, is picking South Dakota State to beat the Hornets. Now, that doesn't matter. That That's their predictions. They could be right. They could be wrong. I will say the biggest difference coming in as well this postseason Kevin Thompson a couple years ago was banged up late in the year and just didn't seem to be the same. Nick Bianco was a critical injury at the offensive line that was out. Pierre Williams didn't play in the postseason. Uh, He should be back and healthy. Hopefully uh, the rest of the group is healthy. And I look at earlier games this year when a common reference point is the Missouri Valley Football Conference in which the Hornets lost to Northern Iowa. So did South Dakota State. But people will reference that Northern Iowa game as... A negative, I guess, if you're looking at the Hornets. And yes, they lost. But you also have to go context. The Hornets lost the game. Six turnovers in a game. Remember that Coach Taylor said that third quarter was the worst quarter he's ever been a part of. Also looking back at that game, the Hornets ran Marcus Fulcher once. Scadaboo didn't run. Jake Dunaway and Asher O'Hara really weren't quite the two quarterback tandem yet. I know they both played in that game, but Asher threw the ball 53 times. 
that's not the DNA of the team anymore. So that's a long time ago. Northern Iowa deserved that win. But I think when people are referencing that as a negative against the Hornets, I think they have to take it all into context. And then the rest of the year, some people will say, well, the Hornets didn't play this team and this team. They're right. You can only play your schedule. But they did play Davis, who was ranked 10th. They did play Montana, who was ranked 5th. They beat them. They beat everyone else on their schedule in the big sky. And for the most part, a lot of it was by a wide margin. So they're a good football team. But right now, with 24 left, they're all good. So it shouldn't be easy. Um, It's going to be very difficult against the winner of that game. But that's what it should be. There's no gimmies. There's no layups. And uh, the Hornets are in the group of good football teams. And they should be proud of that and proud of everything they've done already and keep chasing the goals that they've got in front of them. So kind of with that said, let's now get into the game this weekend. Ted Emmerich, as we mentioned, from ESPN, will have the call on the UC Davis-South Dakota State game, and he also will be here in two weeks for the Hornet game against the winner of that game. So, Ted, welcome in. Hey, Jason. Really appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Um, This has got to be exciting. I mean, for you, it's, it's jumping into the... FCS postseason, you're going to be out here in two weeks, but you get to watch uh, the Hornets' next opponent firsthand, whether it's UC Davis or South Dakota State. Let's just start with you on the professional end, the the prep process of getting ready for, for two teams, even though you did call the South Dakota State championship game in the spring, but still kind of reintroducing uh, yourself to some, some new programs here. Yeah, no question. It's a wonderful event, as we all know, the FCS playoffs, and I can't wait to see Sacramento State in person uh, next week. But uh, yeah, in terms of getting ready for this game, I had the good fortune of calling the FCS championship game in May, the unique spring season championship uh, between South Dakota State and Sam Houston that went down to the very end. Uh, that game, of course, uh, in Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas, where I'm based. But I really think this week could very well bring the best of all the first round matchups uh you have south dakota state of course the runner-up last season and a representative of one of the best conferences in the fcs of course in the missouri valley football conference and you have uc davis which sacramento state fans know extremely well just beat them last week in the causeway classic of course from the big sky so you have one league that puts six teams in the field in the Missouri Valley, you have another in the big sky that put an additional five, essentially half the field in the FCS came from those two leagues. And you have two of the very best teams in those conferences going head to head in the first round. I can't wait for this Saturday. Yeah, there was a a big sky Missouri Valley football conference kind of challenge throughout the year and some non-league games, but we're getting it here in your game. We're also seeing it in the first round with uh, what Northern Iowa and Eastern. I mean, these are amazing conferences. And when you put 11 of the 24 in, you're, you're bound to, to match up, I guess. Yeah, no, no doubt. You gotta, you're gonna see each other eventually. I mean, and you just look at the the at-large teams that made the field. Five at-large teams from the Missouri Valley, you know, and, and another four from the Big Sky. Just the the schedule that these teams play out of conference. And when you laser into this matchup in particular, you have two FCS teams that pulled upsets of FBS opponents in Week One. South Dakota State dominated Colorado State on the road, got paid $450,000 to do that, right? The bye game. And UC Davis did the exact same thing against Tulsa, a closer game. 
But uh, I, it's, in fact, it was a game that I did uh, on ESPN. UC Davis was the first team uh, from the FCS to beat an FBS mm. opponent this season, forcing turnovers at critical times. Hunter Rodriguez was the starter at quarterback back then. He was on point, threw for 300-plus yards, didn't turn it over. And it's remarkable to see. I mean, you have certainly noticed it there, Jason. And again, obviously, the game last week against Sacramento State, how that quarterback situation at Davis has developed uh, from Hunter Rodriguez to Miles Hastings. Of course, you sprinkle in the magic man, Mm -hmm. Trent Tompkins as well, who's so versatile, uh, the Taysom Hill type. Uh, who can do so much for Davis. You know, Dan Hawkins says it, uh, you know, I'm sure you're very familiar with it, the the quote that uh, I, I don't really prefer the term starter, I prefer contributor. And that's really what you have on offense and defense. And uh, it's personified by what he does at quarterback. You can see up to three people taking snaps over the course of a game. Yeah, it was interesting last week, Ted, in the causeway there calling the game on the Hornet side of things, just even the the Aggie folks uh, were a little surprised at kind of the question, where is Hunter? Why, why is Hunter Rodriguez not playing? And I don't know if there's more to that mid early to mid-season concussion, but uh, it just wasn't going Davis's way. And then when they brought him in, granted it was near the end, he just looked smooth, let him right down to a score, and it just left for more head scratching. So he was off to such a great start, and I feel like the Aggies have kind of lost their momentum partly when he went out. Agreed. Uh, Like I said, he was so good in that game against Tulsa uh, that I was fortunate enough to call, you know, reading up on it. And, uh, you know, as we talk now, we will uh, visit uh, as a a TV crew with Hawkins, uh, you know, just a little bit later in the week leading up to this first round game. You know, I'm very curious to hear his thoughts on it, but you read about it. And, you know, listen, it, it, the production did tail off, as we know, in the middle of the season with Rodriguez as the starter. Uh, his son, Cody, Dan Hawkins' son, uh, of course, the offensive coordinator, uh, had mentioned, hey, we, we need to be more efficient. We're just not getting enough. That's why we made the switch to Hastings. Uh, but you see the results on the field the last two weeks. Now, listen, you know, it's two uh, outstanding opponents, uh, losses to Eastern and, of course, Sacramento State. But uh, it does make you curious, how do they reset coming off those back-to-back losses? And what do they do at quarterback? How do, is there even more of a rotation? Do they go back to Rodriguez? against South Dakota State, uh, especially after what he showed, yes, in a lost cause at the very end against Sac State, but did lead him to their only touchdown, like you noted, Jason. So uh, I'm very curious to see what they do, and I'm sure South Dakota State is because they have to prepare for all scenarios. Yeah, well, let's talk about South Dakota State because, as you said, you called their game in the spring when the, a thrilling championship that really could have gone their way, uh, but they brought all those players back. Here they are uh, uh, crushing Colorado State to start the year. Any, anybody that beats North Dakota State gets somebody's attention. Um, some Their losses, they lose that Hail Mary to South Dakota. This is a really good football team, and a lot of people think they not only can beat UC Davis, maybe go through Sac State, and maybe even go a lot further. They're that talented. But, Ted, when you look at them, what, what do they do well? What makes South Dakota State such a tough team? Uh, it's the, the running game first behind the offensive line that they like to call the 605 Hogs. That's the area code uh, there in South Dakota in Brookings. Up front, experienced, 
massive, and you have now the tandem at running back that they had going into the year. Pierre Strong is the leader, but he's going to be a four-time All-American when the latest team is announced here as we move through the postseason. He's the second-leading rusher in the country. He's even better than he was in the spring. And you tag-team him with Isaiah Davis, a sophomore who had a breakout spring as a freshman and, in fact, was their leading rusher in the spring. He was better than strong. He put up three touchdowns in the championship game against Sam Houston. Davis missed a good part of the season with a shoulder injury that he suffered in week two. Last week against North Dakota was his first game back. They eased him in. 64 yards on nine carries. He's a bigger back than Strong. Strong is lightning quick. Davis brings that meat. A grinder can also break away. Uh, And you have to factor in the efficient passing game with a graduate transfer in Chris uh, Olodicone. He has just been a godsend for them. They, They lost Mark Gronowski from the spring he was their starter then he was the missouri valley offensive player of the year as a freshman and he suffers a knee injury in the national championship game against sam first series of the game Mm. keaton heidi has to come in play the rest of the way and again they almost pull it off without their starting quarterback so oladokun transfers from samford uh, in alabama another fcs program started his career at usf continued at Samford, was looking for a home. The opportunity was too great to pass up. South Dakota State was in the market for a quarterback, clearly. This is the transfer portal, right? College football's free agency. And as a graduate transfer, able to play right away. And he has done nothing but impress. 20 touchdowns, just five interceptions on the year, almost 2,500 yards, a factor on the ground as well. Uh, You know, it's you got all the pieces at South Dakota state. And it's funny, Jason, because you could argue that they have underachieved Mm. to a degree at eight and three. Yes. They beat Colorado state, which, okay. You know, a losing record in the mountain West. Fine. It's still an FBS program with so many more scholarships. Uh, They beat North Dakota state, the number two seed here in the FCS championship this year and the champion from the Missouri Valley this season. You balance that with, those three puzzling losses. They lose in overtime to Southern Illinois, a game in which they had a 20 to nothing lead. They lose to Northern Iowa, a fringe at-large team, the last team taken from the Missouri Valley. And then, like you mentioned, one of the plays of the year in college football, that Hail Mary from South Dakota. If they're able to just spend that one final second on fourth down South Dakota State and toss the ball out of bounds in time, the game's over. But one second left, South Dakota has the opportunity. You throw it up, the prayer is answered, touchdown, that's their third loss. So you put it all together. This is probably, in fact, you know, probably, (laughs) you know, you, you can remove that qualifier, the most dangerous team that's in the first round. Um, and, you know, yes, everyone, I think, would expect them to win uh, this week. Uh, certainly those in the desert believe that. Playing at home, <laughs> their pedigree, again, and especially against UC Davis. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't wait to see it uh, in person this Saturday. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny as you brought up Northern Iowa, what makes me think about them. I mean, we, I always try to look at common opponents, and it's tough to measure how each team plays. If Sacramento State does get South Dakota State uh, in two weeks, um, they both play Dixie State, both beat Dixie State, both lost to Northern Iowa. And you could argue, Ted, at Northern Iowa, you, as you said, a fringe team that gets in at 6-5. and five. Northern Iowa probably got in based on beating South Dakota State and Sacramento State. They're, these two teams, I think, really boosted Northern Iowa. No, no question. Yes, that that helps the resume. Uh, that is inarguable. Uh, but listen, you know, Sac State can just put their feet up, dial in on Saturday. They earned their home game and their first round bye. And, you know, they will certainly be a challenge for whoever survives uh, this Saturday. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, talking to the Hornet program, they're only – you know, they know this road is brutal because if it is Davis, you have to beat a team twice in three weeks, which is never easy. Or if it's South Dakota State, as you just laid out, I mean, this is a very, very good football team. Their thinking is the only good thing about this is not that they're ignoring UC Davis, but they just prepared for them. So now I think this yeah. week they can really lock in on South Dakota State. And then, of course, if Davis wins, then you throw all that material away and go right back into the Aggies. So I think that's their only um, benefit of the draw in the sense that they don't have to prepare for two weeks on two teams just for uh, the one team this week. And then we'll, you know, they can watch the game like and watch you and see how it all goes. And I, I just can't wait to, to see them in person as well, Jason. I mean, what Troy Taylor has done, especially after not having a season, you know, for the mm-hmm. 2021 campaign, right? Some FCS programs opted to play a fall schedule. Very few, but some did most in the spring, uh, and they didn't do that, and yet they come right back, heal up, restore, they have energy on file, and just rip through the big sky like they did uh, to earn that first round by the, and the national seed, the, the fourth overall seed. Uh, and, you know, again, speaking of uh, unique quarterback rotations <laughs> like we're talking about with UC Davis, uh, yeah, just looking ahead to, to Sac State. I mean, you know him well, obviously. And, uh, but I, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things the Hornets have said too, and I don't know how to quantify or even prove this. Uh, Troy Taylor just thought it was too much um, wear and tear, fatigue to play in the spring, and he chose. That was his decision. He said, I don't even know if I'm right. That's just what I believe. And they've gotten better as the year went on. And, for example, Davis played in the spring, and I personally watching them last they look fatigued to me. And I don't know if that's the case. I mean, we'll see. South Dakota State could still run through this whole thing, and we could throw that whole factoid out the window. But it just felt that's what the Hornets felt was best for them to not play in the spring and be as healthy and ready to go. And to me, the best part for them, Ted, is they are peaking right now. And that could all end in one week. But um, they certainly look like they're playing their best football at the end, which is what you want to do. For sure. And and how about this? And you're right. I mean, UC Davis, yeah, they played the the five-game schedule, didn't make the postseason. I remember talking with Dan Hawkins leading up to week one here in the fall, and he said, I'm glad we didn't make the playoffs. All of our eyes were on the fall season. Five games was just enough. That's all we wanted. Seriously, he said. Meanwhile, you have South Dakota State, which, of course, was the number one seed in the spring and lost in the national championship. They played a 10-game spring season. You add 11 more games. This is going this week in the first round is going to mark their 22nd game wow. in the calendar year of 2021 and that comes over a 9 month span 
I mean, can you can you imagine that kind of schedule for any college program? And I recognize there was a three, three and a half month break in between. But still, that is a lot of wear and tear. And South Dakota State has endured its share of injuries. They have gotten guys back like Isaiah Davis, uh, who I mentioned at running back. But, you know, that will be fascinating. Do they have that juice? Uh, you know, again, if they're fortunate enough to win this week, going on the road to Sac State, you know, it, how do they look? Do they wear down? That's that's one of the questions that I think a lot of these programs have to answer who went on deep runs in the spring. Sam Houston, undefeated, number mm-hmm. one seed. Same thing. Yeah. Ted, one uh, thought, too. One more thought on South Dakota State. Uh, good layout of what they look like offensively. Your opinion on kind of the other facets, defense and special teams for the Jackrabbits. Yeah, uh, special teams, Cole Fromm, he looks like a tight end at 6'5", 230. Very good. One of one of the best, uh, I would say, in, in the FCS. Uh, hasn't missed an extra point. Six straight field goals, 17 of 23 uh, on the year. Uh, and, and defense is very solid as always. I, I think they have uncommon depth on front. Uh, up front, led by Caleb Sanders at nose tackle, who leads them in sacks with six and a half on the year. Uh, a playmaker at middle linebacker and Adam Bach, who had a breakout spring season as a freshman, now as a sophomore, as a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award, which, of course, goes to the Defensive Player of the Year uh, in, in FCS. Uh, Logan Back is right next to him, a sixth-year senior at linebacker, nine career interceptions, always seems to uh, make plays when the game requires it. And another guy that uh, in the secondary uh, just returned from injury, mentioned Davis on the offensive side for the Jacks, Don Gardner, All-American at corner, broke his arm in week three against Indiana State, missed five games. He returned earlier this month. That's huge for them uh, to, to get their top cover guy uh, back, especially with the playoffs on the horizon. Uh, so, it, you know, here's the deal. A lot of these names, if you did follow them in the spring, you know them well. Mm-hmm. They returned 20 starters from that team that lost to Sam Houston in the championship game. Ten starters on offense, ten on defense. They lost only one senior who had eligibility there was one player a linebacker named Pretzen Tetzloff uh, who was going on to med school um, and ended his career he was a senior he could have come back super senior right year didn't count towards his eligibility he's the only senior who departed everyone else came back for the fall and so the lineup is dotted with fifth year sixth year seniors uh, experienced veteran leadership all across the board for South Dakota State. And they feel like that they are lining up to make another run, just like they did in the spring. Well, we know they're going to be dangerous. Uh, you, you're going to have a lot of eyes from Sacramento watching this game, Ted, to see how both teams look. They know what the Aggies present, and maybe they have their week and find a way in South Dakota. But we know South Dakota State's the favorite in this one. Uh, we look forward to seeing you here in Sacramento in a couple weeks. And thank you so much for, for joining us today on the podcast. Hey, Jason, anytime, all the best. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and can't wait to get out there next week for the second round. Thank you so much. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and yeah, we'll see you next week. You got it. See ya. All right, that was Ted Emmerich. Our thanks to him. Our thanks to all of you, seriously, for listening each week. 
Tell more Hornet fans out there, more family members, players, coaches, whoever you might want to get involved in uh, here on this podcast. We're having fun with it. It's been a dream season, and uh, we know there's more to come. Hopefully more than one, hopefully more than two. Hopefully it keeps going for a long, long time. But uh, we look forward to being back next week. We'll talk about the actual game. We'll know who won the uh, the matchup between UC Davis and South Dakota State. Of course, we'll preview that uh, first Hornet playoff game and uh, much more next week. But thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast.